live for the first time in uh first time this month we live for the first time this month. yes we are live for the first time this month uh it is first first time for both of us in a little bit <laughs> you're not wrong uh, but we got oh yes we've got things and stuff saying that we are live so welcome everybody hopefully somebody's actually listening to us that would be awesome um if you are, then drop something in the chat to no matter what platform you're listening or watching on. Um, let us know who you are, where you're from, so we can say hi. Dang, Barry, look at you taking it because I have a voice condition today. Also, it is making you sound very deep and husky and sexy, so that, that, oh, that it's all thanks. good. You know, my wife said the same thing. Uh, like, she, I don't know, she, uh, she, obviously is attracted to me um normally when i'm not being a jerk <laughs> but she said especially <clears throat> when uh when i'm sick and my voice is kind of raspy it's uh i don't know it's magic so we'll, we'll see help. how that translates on the pod tonight <laughs> i mean you know does it sound kind of do i sound sick when i <clears throat> well yeah i sound sick when it you do that yeah like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's gonna be a lot of muting and me going uh, like, <laughs> yes, mm, on my end. So that way I sound a little bit better when I come back. Yeah, it's gonna be a little bit of a push today, but we'll see. Um, yeah, oh yeah, uh, Alex and Chat, uh, channel your inner Batman, Nick. I will. Uh... <clears throat> Where's Human Factors? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me where she is. Uh, there's, there's clearly just going to be a a, a lot of that tonight. Oh. Should I just do the whole uh, the whole show in my Batman voice? I think you should. I'm, I'm just going to leave and just let you do the whole thing because clearly, <laughs> you, you got when we've done other episodes and like used um, sort of like sexy words in the titles and stuff. That you know that's that's one way of pulling in listeners. But this if this week is just going to be you and your your deep husky voice we'll just we'll just get batman to, <clears throat> batman to read the whole thing <laughs> let's let's get let's uh let's just throw a little shot here to say it's episode 247 we're recording this episode live on june 9th 2022 and this is human factors cast i'm your host batman i'm joined today by barry kirby <laughs> that's not creepy <laughs> <laughs> It's something. I mean, you know. <laughs> so, so my uh, jovial voice will not be here. The the high pitched like excitement, the excitement will be here. The yes. uh, the high pitched who's hidden behind a mask. Yeah, exactly. Do you have Do you have a Batman mask? I don't suppose you. Mm. One. No. It's a shame because I do because my son's got one of the, the proper latex uh, mask things, and if you weren't so far away, I could have. Oh man, yeah. Just, just for the if I'd, if I'd known, but it had taken like a week to get there, and you, you can't really be ill with a week's notice, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, I did come down with whatever this thing is right after our last lab meeting, which is on Friday, and then okay. Um, okay. It's, uh... And then, so, like right after that, I started feeling really bad. Which you know, we we got back on Wednesday night, so I don't know if there's incubation period or something. And then, uh, you know, bedridden Saturday, bedridden Sunday, 
bedridden Monday, so I had to call out of work, you know, and then Tuesday was kind of like a half day, and then Wednesday was a little better, but still was like cold sweating as I was leading meetings, you know, that type of thing. So it's you know, getting back in the swing of things after a vacation uh, has been wonderful. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's been, it's been smooth, smooth sailing, you know, and, and we have some really exciting announcements for the podcast and for, you know, the lab tonight mm-hmm. um, as well with uh, Pride. Right. It's Pride Month. We have a lot yeah, of yeah. fun stuff yeah. that we're doing. Um, and so, you know, I, I had to make sure that we hit some of those targets. Uh, spoiler alert. We didn't hit one of those targets, but, you know, it, you, we're, you we're trying. Trying. That, that, that's all. It. In fact, because I was talking to some of my team about what what do we do as a company for Pride? And, um, you know, do we do the whole logo re, redoing? Do we do other bits involved? Yeah, and, uh, you do that. You take all the profits, and then uh, company, right? So I mean, it makes sense. You yeah. take all the profits and and profit off these marginalized uh, communities, and then um, oh, it's, it's, it's what they're there for, isn't it? But uh, but no, in fact, we we largely decided to do no change from what we usually do, but make sure that cause we 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 got a bunch of advice. I mean, my daughter is amazing at this sort of thing, um, and so she went and hunted down like what we should do corporately because she doesn't like. Um, you know, like corporations just jumping on the bandwagon and not not actually supporting the cause, just look, looking like they're um, looking like they're doing the thing. And yeah. um, and so we we talked about maybe trying to get some people to come talk to us and actually do some um, enlightenment or some um, uh, some educational pieces. Um, so, well, hey, uh, I you know what, you guys are a human factors company. We are well, well observed. I wonder. If there was some sort of human factors entity out there putting together resources uh, this month that might help a human factors company like that, that's that's so weird. So if you hear of one, yeah, uh, if you could let me know because that that would be really useful. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get into the full announcements. I mean, one of them, uh, I'm wearing one of them, and I'm really excited with the way this turned out. Hang on, you can't really. There you go. That is that. That's a that's a good looking T-shirt. I like that. It feels good too. I really like I really like our merch. Our merch is really good. <laughs> yeah, because you do your merch differently to the way I do my merch. You, yeah. you get through that platform, um, which is really yeah. cool. Yeah, then people can choose whatever it is that they want. Um, yeah, we we partner with Spreadshop, um, yeah. and uh, they kind of handle the shipping for us, the printing for us, all that stuff. Uh, we we give them the designs, and they they slap them on, you know, a shirt for us. Um, yeah. But but you know, we we specif- we make the specifications. So like, I told them how big this needed to be. I told them, you know, make make sure the colors come through because that's yes. the whole point. <laughs> that doesn't work. That it it's kind of ruined, isn't it? No, it's uh, yeah, it's, and I'm, I'm I'm really happy with the colors, man. Like the colors came out great. They do. They they're really popping. We like that. Yeah. So, uh, yes, I I do mine slightly differently in that I've got a friend who runs a print shop out of his garage. Um, but it's a very successful print shop, and he does it all. Um, and so we can go go and say, right, we we need some of these, and they'll sort it out, and we can even ship it from there if we want. Um, so it's these supporting small business side of things. Yeah, it isn't as in many ways. It's not as convenient as what you've got because you've got such a wide range of things um, that, you, that you can order very easily. And so, if you want to know what we're talking about, 
go to the um, tw- um, I'm taking my own website. <laughs> you can do that too. <laughs> I just cast website and um, and go and see the merch store because mm. um, it's all on there. You know what? I just realized this is not EHF 2022 recap. This is uh this is actually the pre-show for oh, it's the pre-show. <laughs> tonight, yeah, yeah. tonight's episode. Yeah, you should probably do that. So, um, the yeah that that EHF 22, 2022 recap, the whole synergy between the two. Um, which yeah. we talked about in the show as well. That worked really well. Yeah, that was um, great. And I like the fact that both shows were similar but different. They complemented each other. And I think there was there was a couple of small bits, I think, that, that repeated, but they were absolutely pertinent to what you were doing um, on both sides. And, yeah, it worked really, really well. You know, I got to say, like, that was... Uh... <clears throat> I don't say this lightly, but that was one of the proudest pieces of editing that I've put together. Oh, see, I, I was really annoyed with your editing. Really? Yeah, because it was way better than mine. <laughs> the 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 stuff that you've done with it in sort of pulling out individual phrases and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, it looked really, really, really good. Um, yeah, you, you 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 made you made me sort of a bit jealous. <laughs> well, I wanted to push myself because I was like. You know, I, I don't get to do those types of things very often where we have, you know, a whole bunch of things and it's one it, I really like pulling out themes like that is something that I enjoy doing from talking to users from, you know, getting interviews like that. I wanted to get the themes of the conference. And, um, you know, I think pulling those all together and having them tell a story where, <clears throat> you know, you're, you're getting what was it like six different people or yeah, was it yeah. seven different people, six different people? Well, seventy and, me. Yeah. And so I cut Barry out entirely because I had talked to him the entire episode. I wanted to get you know, as little Barry in that as possible. Um, Don't people say that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because, I mean, well, we did set it up with like, okay, Barry's told his side of the story. Now here's some oh, others, yeah. right? So, anyway. Yeah, that's so, perfect. Uh, so, so, you know, getting everybody, um, kind of getting the themes together. You know, somebody might say something like, 13 minutes in and somebody might say something two minutes in that's similar and so you got to slap those together and mm. then make it fade you know it's all about the people and and then oh the online component was really great and then talk about that and then making sure that no one goes like back to back with each other is a it's a whole thing i, I found it immensely what's enjoyable you, did you used to do it what's that oh i just used camtasia uh, okay cool it's uh nothing fancy yeah. No, because I'm, I'm still trying to get into using um, DaVinci, which is quite, which is quite cool. But I, I still just don't know enough about it. Um, yeah. But um, and because I don't know enough, enough about it, I, might, I managed to get myself on eBay one of the um, speed editor devices. Um, <laughs> because if I don't know what I'm doing, then you just buy the stuff to make it look like you do. <laughs> speed editor devices. Hmm. So What's it's that? Gonna, it is one of these. You get oh, and but it works. It's it's made for and by DaVinci, so I see, I see. Um, okay, and so it just means that when you're coming to like sort of jog through the stuff, then it's a lot easier. Um, which would have been useful about two weeks earlier than when I got it. But it means well, now hey, that for next time you're good, right? Well, this is it. I mean, for I want to do a lot more of that um, video capture. Stuff. So when, when we're at events and stuff, and then we can do similar things again, because I thought that worked really well. <clears throat> I got you. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Um, hey, I got a little surprise for us here on the live stream. Um, okay. It's when you say that, it makes me nervous. Oh. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. 
don't want you to be nervous, Barry. Hang on. Yes, you do. Well, maybe a little, <laughs> but like... Really, hold on. Um, it's not quite ready yet. <clears throat> I will let you know when it is ready, though. Uh, okay. and it, I mean, it will be ready momentarily. Like, if you just give me, I don't know, a minute. Um, I've, I've kind of hyped it up a little bit bef before it's actually ready, and so I don't want to overhype it. It's just a nice little surprise. Uh, it's subtle. Um, and so... Oh, while you're doing that, the other bit of exciting news that happened this week, well, it's sort of exciting news for other people, not so much for me, but you know I use the Roadcaster uh, yeah. as my mixing deck. They bought out Roadcaster 2, and it looks so pretty. Ooh. Uh, I cannot actually justify pre-ordering it or doing that. I, you know, there's, I just can't really, but I really want to. <laughs> yeah. All right. You ready for the little, uh, little surprise? Ready. Okay, hold on. I just want you to look and see if you notice anything different. Notice anything different? I'll, I'll go again. There you go. Oh, There's one. There's one. There's two. There's one. Uh, is it the lighting? No. There's two. Okay, maybe. maybe, maybe. Something's changing. Oh, no, it's a lot. You're, you're there you go. I'm with it now. I was looking over right. your shoulder. Is the lighting changing or something like that? That's yeah. so cool, and it matches your T-shirt. It does match the T-shirt. It's yeah. awesome. So it must have been somebody really quite talented to um, to redesign the logo for us at such short notice as well. Oh yes, yes, uh, yes. Uh, Erica has been great. She is uh, a member of our lab now. Um, I've worked with Erica for a long time, uh, and she was actually the one who designed the original logo, the updated logo. And now the Pride logo as well. Cool. Um, and I don't know. There might be other like fun logo variants in the future, although I don't know what they could be. Um, I, guess, I guess you could have seasonal logos. We could have seasonal logos. That might be kind of cool. Um, a bit like, you know, when um, Google changes their graphic on their front page to... Oh, phone. yeah. I, I, th I think now that she started this trend, then uh, almost... There's the no yeah, exactly. There's, yeah. Uh, we should be celebrating other notable ergonomists and human factors practitioners through the art of the logo. We Oh, you know what we should do? <clears throat> uh, we should do a... Oops. Next year, when we do our EHF coverage, we should do a CIEHF variant with the CIEHF colors. Yes. Yeah. And and hexagons instead of... Uh, or is it yes. is it hexagons or is it octagons? Uh, K sharp is hexagons. No, we yeah we we're going with hexagons now, right? Anyway, yes we are. Yes. <laughs> I saw that. Uh, and then um, we should also do one for HFES with the HFES colors, the green yes. and white, and and just do those whenever we have the conference coverage, and that way it's like I don't know, theme. kind of it looks, cool. theme. Looks, look, looks in theme. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. Uh, that's a great idea. Yeah, it could be cool. All right. Um, so I just realized, Barry, that I have like contributed nothing meaningful to <laughs> to our uh, our, our uh, show notes, um, other than put making them. Um, well, you, made, you made you made the initial ones, so that that's fine. And you've put in <laughs> all the announcements and the community updates. I've been through and sort of edited the, um, the actual story. Um, but re I oh, I'd have thought, and I don't know whether we can do it now. I've left it. It's kind of too late to mention it. There's a video on the on the article, so yeah. the guy guy gives us. But now it's it's five minutes long, which is a problem. Um, but it's way twice the speed. 
I'm just wondering, is there any way we could stream it as part of the... No. Um, <clears throat> but we can relay the information in it. Oh, yeah, which is kind of what we're doing anyway. Yeah. Um, so we, we can do in that is when I... So you sort of read the article and it, I don't think the true power of what they're doing comes through until you see the video of them, of them actually explaining it. Um, so, in fact, there's a little bit there that I want to... Um, yeah. Right now, yeah, I actually want to cut that bit into the story because actually that makes those tabs to the right. I've got to really clean up my tabs, man. Jeez. I want to get into using the multimodal desktop thing that I've never really got into doing it. You know, I uh, it's so weird because I do it and then like I'll be like, oh, I just need this open to get to this thing that I, you know, like it's a it's a good way to switch modes. But oftentimes, like <clears throat> I think it happens most often with the podcast stuff because I have one for the podcast lab and I have one for podcasting. I'm like, oh, but this stuff is all just open over here. I should just do it over there uh, yeah. or, you know, like. I don't know. It's it's hard to separate that stuff. Um, let me uh, shoot. I gotta I gotta figure out. So let's see here. I gotta open up this uh, news story because that's we're doing we're talking about that tonight or something. Um, I guess it would be a good idea. Uh, probably a good idea. Um, geez, I I really do just uh, need to clean up these tabs. What is going on here? Um, okay. So in terms of the content of that video, right, we're, we're, it's, it's just an overview of the web resource uh, that we're looking at. And, and really, I think this is broken up in that how to use this web resource. Um, there's a little bit more information in the uh, video that's like, you know. Yeah, no, I think I've got it. Yeah, so I'm going to do a little bit more talking, but I think it is. I think we need to do that to situate the. the yeah, I agree. Um, <clears throat> so here's what we'll do. Here's what we'll do. About that. Um, I am pulling the slides from the video, so that way we can uh, just read off those slides because it is the same content that they're basically reading. Uh, they're just adding a couple words in between, right? I don't know. Does that make sense to you? I know, well, actually, I think we I think we probably got it all in here. Um. Oh yeah, no, it does. We we do have. So I mean, what we could do is kind of go through our experience. Like, have you have you clicked through this tool at all? Because I've clicked through it. It's kind of cool. Um. I you know it it really does. Yeah. Um, so I've um I've had a bit of a play. I guess because I'm not really working. Um, in this sector before, then it's I'm kind of losing, kind of losing a bit of context, but um, I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, I've not worked in this sector either. Um, but you, I thought you'd done transportation, or is it just no. uh, a bit of? <laughs> so, so um. This is this is an interesting uh, admission, I guess. I don't know. Like the, the transportation space is a, um, it's so simple, isn't it? 
and I don't mean that in 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 a derogatory way um, because I'm fascinated with it. It's so simple because there's just there's a finite amount of variables that you're working with um, in, so in a lot of ways. There, there could be infinite variables, but but in a lot of ways, you're thinking about sort of like things exist right now. Road signs. You think about like lines on the road and you think about on ramps and off ramps and lighting and um, signage communication. All those are pieces of it. You you also think about sort of the design of, of uh, metropolitan areas. You think of the like the, the whole episode we did on sprawl. Um, that was really interesting was that you or was that blake that did the episode on sprawl it was blake because i remember listening to that when i was um taking the roof off the uh, building in my back garden yeah that one was really interesting and then so <clears throat> there's really a, in a lot of ways there's um these bits and components and it's how you change those components and how those components interact with each other that is so fascinating to me because you have like i don't know a classic example I was driving uh, when we were in California. I was driving um, on on one of the freeways there, and they, um, yeah, I noticed that the line thickness, or, or I guess not the line thickness, but the distance between the lines on the far right side. So for us, just no matter where you're at in the world, the, f the further left you go, the faster you go. Uh, the further right you go, the slower you go. Um, yeah. So the further right you go, the, um, the and I, I might be miscoding these, but the, the distance between the lines on the road were shorter than the distance between the lines on the far side of the same free rate freeway right and to me that was really interesting something i picked up because that is communicating to you that you are going faster when the lines are closer together you're perceiving it like you're going faster because you're seeing those lines come quicker 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 but really it's just the distance between them and so it is encouraging you to slow down in those lanes because your periphery is telling you that you're going faster than you actually are. Likewise, in the other lane, the distance between those is farther because it wants you to go faster in those lanes. Therefore, you know, get to the same rate perceptually that you would experience those. Right. And it's just like somebody did that. Somebody mm -hmm. did a study on that and somebody provided it to, you know, government somewhere and said, we need to do this. There's a an even cooler example in I think it's in Holland that as you you it's got some road like sort of mar, uh, road bumps in the fast lane and um, and if you go over the bump at the designated speed it sings songs to you it is it's it's a tune and so if you get it right you get to play the tune all the way down the motorway uh, just from the road noise it's brilliant. And I was like, somebody's thought of that. Somebody's really put some effort and time and thinking into that, into making it entertaining, but also safe or safer anyway. Right. And I just thought, I mean, if so, you if you run over it at a different speed, doesn't it just change the pace or the tempo or the it does it makes pitch? it yeah it makes it faster, but obviously then it wouldn't sound quite as good, would it? 
Um, no, but so so, <laughs> so I guess what is the what is the threshold of difference, right? Like, because I'm thinking like you go ten miles more per hour, and it's like, you know, it's a little faster, barely perceptible, because you know there's a certain threshold that we hear, and so if you design them to have a very small threshold where it changes dramatically if you're not going the exact speed. Oh, I was wrong. It's not. Oh, actually, yeah. So you've got one in um, Lancaster, California. Yeah, 30, there's 30, a couple 30, of them. Yeah. Um, oh, the, the, apparently there's five places. Um, oh, we've got one in the UK. Ooh. Oh, I might have to go find that. I just thought, I, I like it because it's a, just a, it's a, rather than being a, you must, must not do this. It's, it's, a, it's, it's. Um, hits the more subtle things of you want to do this right because you want to, you want it to sound right and therefore it encourages it's more encouraging rather than the demanding right uh, but but here's the thing is like n- music is universal but not everybody likes the same songs now true. if it was like you know like a song that you didn't like would you drive faster to get it through quicker right so like I think that's the trade-off for me is like the the perception that is passive. You are doing that as a human being. Mm, that's true. So yeah. I, I would I would say that the line distance is uh, is is cooler. Than oh, the music. <laughs> oh, oh, now we're going to get into a fight with five minutes to go. Oh, yeah. I think that I think they probably all got their their place. Um, in because say you in Germany where they have no speed limits. Um, but if you sort of had something there where you went wanted to encourage. A certain speed but without actually being um um authoritarian about it um then that could be you know using them so i mean but the lines could be used in a similar way to make to have them sort of subtle cues um i like the idea of nudging and um cueing people rather than so it, it makes people feel like they're you know it's what they want to do rather than what they have to do because i think you get better compliance that way um but yeah. it's not always easy Well, that, that would have done. Show sure, would have just recorded that, sent that out, and that would have done. But, uh... So I'm actually just padding out some of these notes real quick while we uh, are quickly approaching the two thirty. Well, ten thirty. Ten thirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to make sure that we have everything here. Uh, let's see here. Oh, you're doing your um. Yeah, I'm doing the one more things, and I'm also um, just going to see if I can add anything intelligent to the show notes, um, which probably not. Uh... See, now you made me cough now, just just thinking about it all. I know. I'm, I'm... <clears throat> I wonder if people feel icky when they listen to somebody feels when so, somebody's sick, like like they like if I'm talking in your headphones right now, do you feel like I'm coughing in your headphones? Like is that a, like is that is that is that gross or is that like some weird ASMR thing that people enjoy? Like, I don't know, <laughs> the more you're talking, actually, the more normal one of better expression. The the more <laughs> more usual you're sounding. The more usual. Uh, yeah, no, that's not great English either. But we'll we'll go with that. It's fine. Uh, oh. oh no! I'm tired. Oh, stop yeah, it. I, I'm, I, I, having had two weeks off, I'm just not not in the um, um, ah. not in the zone. 
Uh, this week has gone quite quickly as well. I can't believe it's gone as quickly as it has. Yeah, same. This week has both been long and uh, it's, it's this weird temporal uh, thing where it just... Um, what is time? Time is but a construct. That, that, that is true. Go go listen to my discuss, discussion with uh, Peter Hancock and Gabby Hancock from HFES 2018. Time is not real, according to Peter. Um, and, I've uh, heard that a couple of times. And it's an interesting... Um, we just perceive it through a linear... Everything has yes. both happened and not happened at the same time. And we're perceiving it through a... Anyway, it's it, it kind that, of, it's that sort of thing that breaks my head. It was one of my it was those it was one of those things where you know we had talked to them on the last day of the conference and my brain was already fried from the entire conference and I was like, you're really gonna sit here and like, you know, put put this uh, uh, existential question in my mind as I'm like already mush. Yeah, it was one of those. Yeah. Just before we go, I'll just say a quick hi to Tony, who's listening out in Cumbria. Um, family's on board. Hello, Tony. Thank you for joining us. Um, okay, I th- you know I don't know if I have anything um, meaningful to add to these notes. We'll I, I'm going to do it live. We're just gonna... we'll, ju- we'll just we'll just we'll just should I give my best Bill O'Reilly impersonation? <laughs> no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Yeah, uh, a conservative <laughs> American, uh, American conservative um, uh, Fox News host. Uh, so right, tells you everything you need to know, really. Yeah. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, I'm not going to do a Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> All right, um, let's see here. Okay, we're, we're uh, we 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 got some stuff for you. So stick around. We got a great show. Um, and. Uh, I think my mom's trying to say he died. Uh, maybe. I don't know. He. He. It's a mystery. All right. We're going to be right back. Uh, we're going to we're gonna start this show, and I'm going to try my best to uh, g- give a performance that is worthy of a recorded podcast episode, and we'll see how it goes. All right. Uh, thank you for joining us. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for human factors, psychology, and design. Hey, 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 it's episode 247. Uh, I should have just done Batman, right? Should have just Batman, just start All going right, with we'll, we'll, we'll start with Batman. All right. It's episode 247. We're recording this episode live. No, I'm not going to do that. Anyway, it's June 9th, 2022. This is Human Factors Cast. I'm a little sick. I'm your host, Nick Rome. I'm joined today by Mr. Barry Kirby. That's the whole Batman joke. I was, I'm sick, so I'm trying to read it as so. Uh, we do have a great show for you tonight. We're going to be talking about the Transportation Research Board's new construction safety and phasing plans tool which is a lot cooler than you might actually think. And later we're going to talk about some questions uh, from the community about UX research being recession proof. Maybe 
how much internships add to your ability to qualify for full-time roles, and we'll discuss the questions you should be asking project managers before starting research projects. But first, we're back, baby! Yeah! Hey, normally we like to jump straight into the news because we know that's why you're here, but we have a lot of really important updates for June. We hope you'll listen to these and don't skip forward. I said don't skip forward. It's important. So, uh, hey, June is Pride Month um, uh, for anyone who's unaware. <laughs> Pride Month is uh, and we're celebrating queerness over here at uh, Human Factors Cast. And uh, we're kind of launching a pride campaign, if you will. Um, so throughout the month, we're going to be celebrating the LGBTQIA plus community uh, by producing content focused around the intersection of these marginalized communities and human factors, HCI uh, and UX. So, you know, things uh, we're going to be doing are the deep dives. That is something that we do as uh, for, for our patrons, but these will be free to everybody. We want these resources to be widely available. We think it's incredibly important to have these types of resources available. Um, we're going to be putting out some deep dives, maybe. Uh, we'll have some written content, again, focusing on this intersection between human factors and these marginalized communities. We'll also kind of be helping out with general awareness of maybe some of the issues that uh, that are being experienced um, when it comes to human factors, HCI, uh, again, from the perspective of these communities. And last but not least, we're doing a fundraiser. So, um, you know, we are just flat out donating 30% of our June Patreon proceeds to the Trevor Project. Um, if you're unfamiliar, the Trevor Project is it's an American nonprofit uh, kind of founded in 1998. It really focuses on um, suicide prevention efforts among this community, these communities. Um, and and really, uh, they they provide these sort of resources uh, and, and um, sort of a confidential lifeline for people to talk to. So uh, we, we think it's incredibly important. Um, you know, uh, we had our members of our lab select this charity. Um, and, uh, you know, we're beyond that, uh, you know, we, we have changed our logo. I don't know if you've seen our new logo. I love it. It's all, it's all colorful. And with that new logo, we have merch. Um, and, uh, you know, contrary to, uh, what's, what's, I guess, corporate standard is, uh, we're, we're not going to take that profit. We're taking 100% of the profits and, or proceeds, I should say, and we're donating that to the Trevor project as well. So, um, you know, go, go to our merch store, buy our pride merch. Uh, it's all going forward to, um, Trevor project. And again, if you join up with us on Patreon this month, 30% of that will be, uh, kicked back to Trevor project. Um, I do want to say, first up this week, we do have uh, our Human Factors Minute that dropped on Tuesday. You probably see it in your feed. It's on sort of uh, the lack of resources um, on the intersection of the of these two things, right? The LGBTQIAP plus community and Human Factors. There's a lack of resources out there for us. So go listen to what we found and what we did not find. Uh, so it was actually guest read by one of our lab members, Rashad. So thank you for doing that. And, uh, you know, it's in your feeds here. You'll get the Human Factors Minutes here as well as on the Human Factors Minute feed as well if you're subscribed to that. Um, but that's all I have for Pride stuff. Barry, uh, you've, you've been busy over at 1202 too. What's going on over there? We've actually produced content. You know, after not producing so some for for quite a few weeks, I actually pulled my finger out. No, we've had some two really, really good episodes drop. Um, firstly, the the most recent one is with Chris Reed, and those of you uh, who are familiar with HFES will know that he's the current president of HFES. 
He's also um, a Boeing technical fellow within the Environment and Health and Safety Organization at Boeing. And in the interview, he sort of gave me a real uh, insight into basically how he got into ergonomics. And his um, backstory is of, of how he got in there just had me metaphorically drooling uh, the the job opportunities or the the uh, the things that inspired him um was just fantastic to hear and it, it there's something he saw he, he seemed to have managed to have picked up all the jobs that i wanted to do and he did them really early in his career which was just fantastic. yeah what was also really cool from my own perspective i took the opportunity to um pick his brain about because obviously he's been president um and he's you know his term ends in i think it's october time um and and so i took the opportunity to sort of pick his brain about when I become president of CHF next year, what could I do? Um, what could I learn from him about um, about how I could do my bit better? So that that was great. But the other bit, which was fab, because obviously we've uh, we've been away for a couple of weeks. Um, the first week that we were away on this um, platform, we had the coverage of EHF 2022, and on on my uh, on 12:02, we also had a um, me interviewing uh, some of the attendees as well, and so that whole um, coordination between us, uh, between the two channels, showing different content or. Uh, um, from both sides about what it was like to organize and what, what, how people found it, what was the good content, what were the takeaways. Um, I think it just was an entirely fantastic week um, of content. So I encourage um, everybody to go back and listen to both of them episodes and and see both of them in, in tandem. So, yeah, it's been quite a busy week, and we've got a few cool interviews coming up as well. So I've actually got a, a full schedule of recording lined up. So looking forward to uh, the next few weeks. It's amazing what happens when you don't have me saying, hey, every Thursday you need to be here. Uh, but <laughs> one thing I'll add to that EHF coverage, Barry was kind enough to donate <laughs> to to our Patreon the full interviews with everybody that he talked to on his end. Uh, he kind of snipped them up for his own episode, and then we we did like a mic micro uh, highlight reel of them on on this episode over here. Uh, and and those full interviews uh, in their entirety are posted up on our Patreon for our for our Patreon members. All right, uh, that's a lot of updates. Thank you for sticking with us. We're gonna get to the news. Like I said, we normally like to do this up top, but here it is. Yeah, Human Factors News. This is the part of the show where we talk about the latest and greatest coming out of the field. Barry, what is the news story this week? So the story this week is looking at Construction Safety and Phasing Plans, ARCP, Web Resource 11. So the Transport Research Board in the US has recently published a web tool to assist with the construction, safety and zoning plans for airports. The Airport Cooperative Research Program, or ACRP, uh, Web Resource 11, provides airport personnel consulting engineers, designers, and contractors uh, with a detailed process to improve the development and implementation and management of construction safety and phasing plans, or CSPPs, and safety plan compliance documents, CP CDs, it's easy for, for me to say, uh, for airport construction projects. When you go onto this tool, the, the CSPP process is broken into four main phases, which is shown pictorially on the page. The success of each of these four phases is built upon a foundation centered on a culture of safety and collaboration. Each phase contains a process diagram related to that phase of the C uh, CSPP process, a description of each task step within the phase, a list of best practices and lessons learned applicable to the phase, and any tools, templates, or training materials that have been created to aid in the execution of that phase. So when you go on it, you get started by clicking on any of the four phases, the Safety Collaboration Foundation 
um, or, or the sorry, or the Safety and Collaboration Foundation to learn more about the aspect of the CSPP process. You can click on the process tab at the top of the page. You'll be taken to a page describing each phase of the CSPP process. And the page also includes a short video describing how the whole thing works. The contents of the web resource was developed based on research completed as part of the ASAP project 0803, which was titled Construction, Safety and Phasing Plans. The research effort included close coordination with the Federal Aviation, uh, Aviation Administration, or the FEA, uh, airports, consulting engineers, designers and contractors to de develop those research findings. The contents of the web resource are not intended to contradict or supersede any regulatory guidance regarding CSPPs, um, SPCDs, or construction safety issued, um, constru construction safety issued by the FAA. The web resource is meant to be is meant to complement the FAA's re existing regu regulatory guidance, as of this case November 2020, and it's meant to aid airports in the development, implementation, and management of these um, CSPPs and SPCDs effectively under the existing regulatory guidance. The point here is the FAA updates their official guidance and materials from time to time. As a result, the users of this web resource are also then encouraged to check the FAA website to identify where the FAA guidance materials may have changed. So that was a long discussion there, Nick, around this new resource. But fundamentally, do you think this is a, a, a good thing, an exciting thing? Wow, that was almost as dry as my throat. So uh, let's <laughs> let's talk about this. So just in broad terms, this is a this is a cool tool that allows for these processes uh, to, to communicate best practices, lessons learned for these processes by which government standards for airports and uh, FAA standards, all that stuff, um, basically you're playing ball with all that. So it, long story short, uh, there's a lot of government regulation that needs to happen, especially when it comes to airports. And somebody, th this, uh, this Transportation Research Board has built a tool that will help with communicating some of the best practices um, for folks doing these things. Now, this is in itself a little dry. Yeah, I picked this over a month ago. I said, yeah, we could talk about this pile. But um, I forgot about it, was reminded earlier this week when I put out the, you know, the uh, the, the the poll for, for our listeners to pick. Um, and I, I thought, wow, yeah, no, this is awesome. Like, I think the thing for me about this that... Um, was so intriguing is just the way that they sort of document the information and provide it in sort of the step-by-step -step process that allows for a collaborative experience. Um, you know, it's, it's lessons learned, like, uh, like the, the blurb here says from a variety of different people, consulting engineers, designers, contractors, um, airport personnel, all of them, uh, come coming together to, sort of bring these lessons learned and make sure that no one suffers from those mistakes of the past as you know these uh these construction updates are happening um so that's my initial thoughts barry what about you what's going on with you when you well, saw this if we were all being honest about this when I, i've got to admit when i first read the story as we sort of said even just trying to read through it all and i've, I've actually been through the story and rejigged some of it to try and make it sound a bit more interesting it took me a long time to get into it i was very much of like I don't get this. I don't. I don't see really. I, I couldn't get past the words, but they've got a really cool video on the site, and so I'd encourage anybody who follows the link to go and read the article. Actually, watch the video of it because that's where they they take you through what it does, and then you go and have a play with the tool itself. 
And really, when you get into it, the real story, it's around collaboration. It's around sharing of common data sets, common tools, and the common way of working. So you've got all these different stakeholders. Um, you've got contractors, you've got designers, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the most common things that we have problems with when you're working on large projects is people working to what they perceive might be the common process, but actually they're, they're all doing their own processes and somebody's just hoping that they're all coordinating them together. With this, at least you can see you've got a common resource where everybody comes together and you say, right, we're all working off the same page. With this, we're all using the this the same process, the same standards, et cetera, et cetera. So that I think is really cool. I do have a bit of a problem, which is why I included it in the blurb, with almost this get out of jail free clause at the end where it says, you know, must check the with the FAA in, ca in case of changes and things like mm -hmm. that. If you're going to produce a tool like this, part of the responsibility, in my mind, part of the responsibility of you doing that is you have to make sure it's up to date. Um, I don't want, if I was using this, I wouldn't want to sit there and then go and um, go back and then check, do all the work and then go, oh, I better go and check all, this, all the sources to make sure they're all relevant. That should be part of the service, as it were. I, I get, you know, it's hard to do that with research, but it's kind of just a right. small flag. But what I really do like is the way that the, it steps you through the activities in a graphical way. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pitcher's guy. Um, when you can go and drill into, right, I want this, I want to be this part of the process, you click on it, it gives you the appropriate bit. That's cool. Um, so, yeah, it felt like a dry topic when we started, but when you get stuck into it and using it, I think there's... Um, there's not only it's you must be useful for the people who are using it. It's not my area of domain, area of expertise, um, but you can. See, I, I like the way that they've done it. I like the way that they've developed that tool. Yeah, I think I think the first thing I'd like to do is kind of almost an audio only <laughs> demo, so to speak, of of what this is. So um, you said this tool is very visual, and that's true. We're going to talk through this as if. Um, well, is is this is a podcast? So if you're listening to this later, <laughs> you're welcome. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's visual, but really it's just uh this this um this safety uh construction safety and phasing planning process really is is kind of broken down into four steps, four phases, if you will, right? There's the pre-CSPP, which is uh what is that? Construction safety and planning phase, activities phase. So pre- CSPP activities phase, then there's the initial CSPP development phase, and then there's sort of a CSPP implementation, and then CSPP management. So you have um, the, the pre-stuff, the development, the implementation, and the management afterwards. And across all of it is you have this sort of safety and collaboration um, umbrella, if you will, right? So those are the four phases. Now, if you were to click on any one of those on this web tool, right, you would be brought be brought to a, a sort of um, a, a sub page of the tool that gives you a graphical representation of what happens in that phase, right? So, if you go to the pre activities, then you would get you know a detailed diagram of what's actually going on in that step, right? What tasks you're having, what checkpoints you have, sort of uh, any major milestones along the way. And that's at the top. So it kind of gets everybody on the same page, level sets everybody and says, here, here you go. This is what, uh, you know, is, is going to happen here. If you were to click on that graphic, you know, it gives you even more detail about what the tasks are. Um, you know, in the, in the pre-activities phase, we're, we're looking at, uh, Sort of task 1.1, pre-project planning and coordination. If you click on 
you know, this graphic. It actually gives you a lot more detail about that, uh, about what that actually means. And then, um, you know, below that graphic, I think is is a really great uh, way to organize things is it has tools right at the top. It says, here you go. Here's tools, templates, everything that we found that we know other people use that's going to be useful to you in your effort to go through this, this uh, process. You know, here's all the tools up top. Um, and then right below that, best practices, lesson learned. Uh, and, and so you have kind of the, the most pertinent information right here. Um, you have sort of the, the process, the tools, and here's the best practices and lesson learned. And I think this, um, in a lot of ways, is just a really simple way to look at sort of these, um, these processes that might be, you know, industry standard in a lot of ways, but maybe not codified, right? So like, think about think about from like a ux perspective or human factors research you know you you have sort of this discovery phase uh the the um data gathering phase uh design phase um you know uh, uh sort of analysis phase and then an iteration phase and then development phase right and think about that right and then what if we had a tool for us Right. Well, in in development, you have might have a bunch of development tools at top. And here's some best practices about how to integrate for developers with human factors practitioners or UX people. Right. Like it, it, it would be a good thing for them to click on. I'm in the development phase. I'm going to click on this. And here's the tools that I could use. And here's how I interact with these people. Um, and so I think, you know, that whole process could be lifted from this tool that we're talking about here, the construction safety and planning phases um and and really brought to other domains yeah go ahead yeah i think you you could i mean the what is really neat is like say is, is where it pulls together um all the different bits that you'd want to use however i would also suggest that they do need to get a um a ux designer or ui designer on board because this is just this is just almost so good that it kind of gets let down um right at the last moment so you mentioned that if you click on the click on the diagram it brings you a whole wealth of information and so what it does um just to try and paint the picture you've got the nice pretty diagram which does label things out nicely it's got nice little diagrams and the right sort of shape boxes to pick it you click on the diagram then it just brings you up a massive web box and just loads and loads of text which my i mean i'm a graphical person my eyes then just lays over um for, for some really simple changes uh, today to make this really good, I would have each one of them as a as its own unit. As I click on yeah. each box, then you pip, pip, pop up another little diagram, or you know maybe just a sing a, a small bit of almost like a tooltip type affair to make that work. Um, it's a, it's it's a lot of it's like these tools that seems quite typical. It's it's a really good idea. It's really really neat and kind of just just when it could be great. So it sort of falls over that. So a bit of advice and, you know, a free usability review right there um, for, for the, um, uh, for the project. They, they, if they did that, I think they would, they would go from, from great to really great. Um, but it's cool though. I like, I like to say they, we could use in, in order to do, I mean, we do the human factors integration processes. Um, that can be quite a complex yeah. thing with different tools to be doing different things it's a it's the top of my head because it's something i'm doing a lot of at the moment and having an approach like this could make everybody's life just that little bit easier um 
Yeah, I, I worked with folks that worked on like an HSI tool a long time ago that was kind of similar to this. Um, and you know, I, I think the the main takeaway here that I'm I'm getting from this is this is going to be awesome for this domain. But really, like, let's open this thing up and apply it to other domains because the more we have these collaborative efforts ab- around sort of making sure that that domain knowledge is captured, transferred, and easily accessible for others um, within the domain, then it's going to you know pay dividends down the road, right? You, you no longer have to pick and search, uh, go and find and search for all these different aspects they're just kind of right there which is the beauty of the tool and yes there's you know some some things that could be updated and you know this is a v1 I, you know yeah. but but yeah you're right i mean i think there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of great resources here and i just think of how powerful this could be in in other types of communities right well is it worth us doing you know we've started to do the breakdown bit if we took this as sort of that generic form of this idea of having um, the, um, the the process processes um, put online or and, you know, available in this way. If we break that down through our um, human factors views, then we can actually try and pick out some of them bits that, that um, other people could take and put into their own platforms. Um, so I was kind of thinking like around the personnel area where, you know, what would this do for us? Um, and for me, I, I think I kind of said it in the blurb, which was, one thing, a thing that breaks down quite a lot is this bit where you, know, you might have software engineers developing to software standards, standards, as you know, maybe doing human factors integration to our human factors integration standard, um, and other, you know, all the other disciplines. If we've got this one central resource, there can be no excuses for people not knowing the process that you're following, what you're meant to be doing, and when you're supposed to be doing it. So, if you're using that same material. You should. Everybody should be on the same page, and therefore, you know, it, any of them sort of blockers around miscommunication should, in theory, be be removed. Do you think that's the case? Do you think Do you think that's 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 a fair assumption to make? But Barry, what if it updates? What if the guidance updates? Well, yeah, that's that's as we said earlier, that's kind of my problem with it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, look, like <clears throat> here's the thing: is this was done as a research experiment, research exercise? and and created um you know with funds i'm yeah. thinking what if you took the open source approach what if you had almost a wikipedia type uh you know editors moderators admins type of thing where um you have you know influential people in that community or that uh domain that you're building the tool for moderate this thing and then You know, if the guidance ever were to change, like in this example, the FAA, if they came out with new guidelines, you can say, hey, these are current for, you know, and slap it on as a banner on every single page and say, look, like that we're still updating this. This has not, you know, been vetted. It's not been um, sort of uh, cleared, if you will. So take everything with a grain of salt and kind of just puts you in that weird headspace as everyone's trying to figure out these new guidelines and then everyone can kind of contribute together. I think that really would get more at that collaborative effort um, as well, because then you'd have, you know, places where various different types of users might be able to come forward, right? Let's let's say the example that's a little bit more uh, familiar to home, right? Let's say you have um, UX researchers, designers, PMs, uh, and de- uh, developers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
so you have sort of a, a traditional software development team. Uh, and so, so like, let's, let's look at it from that perspective, right? You might have developers who come in and say, Hey, you know, I, I was talking with my, um, UX researcher about X, Y, and Z, and we had a really great breakthrough here. Um, you know, almost like a forum, but then have that, uh, that thing come forward as a best practice. I don't know. There's, there's gotta be a way to like let different roles submit things that go into different places. I don't know. I, th I think this is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> just I'm thinking about like how we can how we can make this better. Where you would I mean what what I would be doing with the FAA stuff, for example, or anybody who's producing um, standards, they generally do want a website that has an RSS RSS feed, and so then I would be taking the RSS feed from here, and I either having some sort of live update or right. if you've got somebody who can do the coding, um, do the comparison between the current content and the current RSS feed. And if there if there's a change, then it's either as simple as like say if it's a, almost a wiki type approach, flagging it, this is now out of date and needs an update. It pushes somebody to to do that, um, or even just some more direct. You know, there could be some clever direct merging there going on, which works right to the point that the the you know the authority changes the, the the structure of what they're doing or something like that. But even just a simple flag to say, you know, there's been in, you know, the latest version that we that this is codified to is this. There is a new version out. We need to do the update that has value because when i sort of looked at this from the system safety perspective um yes if you do all this as we say loads the element of miscommunication but it is also because of that knowledge issue because of that data issue it's also a single point of failure um that if everybody commonly uses their own data everybody will fail spectacularly but as you say if you've got um um so, some di so, some different eyes on this um, if anybody's looking at the same data, more chance there's a greater chance that people spot the error. Um, so yeah, I think there's there's definitely something around that around that community aspect. Yeah, that makes the, it safe. The big problem with the community approach is like, how do you make sure or enforce that the community is actually using it? Right, like from from our perspective, UX human factors, there's a lot of people there, um, and and how do you make sure that those people are using it for you know, the things that they're working on. Um, I don't know. Let's, let's, uh, let's pick a couple more like fun pieces um, as it, as this tool applies to the traditional human factors stuff. And then maybe we'll move on for me. I think the, um, you know, we, we talked a lot about the collaborative effort uh, and I, I, I do want to kind of push forward on that as well. Right. When you think about sort of the organizational social uh, implications, unless this is, being developed in tandem or with the blessing of the guidance that is coming out, right? Like if it was being blessed by the FAA, which I think in this case it is because it's TRB, um, all government, right? And so, you know, for, for industry things, it's going to be a little bit more hard to do something uh, or, or to implement something that is, or enforce something, I should say, that is going to be a tool like this. Um, when you have sort of the government standards, when you have sort of uh, a need to follow those standards, it's going to be easier, especially if it's coming from the source itself. Um, and I think that's kind of a key note that I want to sort of bring forward is that this works in cases where it's mandated uh, and and maybe falls flat in others. Yeah, and I, I guess my sort of, I guess, final point on this would be following on from that, that... Um, this seems to be quite good because this seems to be a fully mandated end-to-end -end process. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas one of the things that we can do quite a lot in human factors and particularly the HFI world is, is tailoring. Is tailoring a process to suit the scale and development of what it is that you're trying to do. You don't necessarily want to do full process for for a small version of. So if you're doing, like, say, a really small airport, you might do something probably less than what you'd want to, you know, super airport type thing. Um, when you have a process laid out from this, it people sometimes use it too much as a crutch um, and forget that some processes are tailorable and you actually get efficiencies if you do tailor things appropriately um we we you know it, it's too easy to fall into must do 1.1.3 because it says 1.1.3 must be done where sometimes you don't necessarily need to do that as long as you acknowledge that up front so that's my sort of a, i guess a small note of caution is something that we do quite a lot of yeah yeah, I I mean I don't want to I don't want to stretch out this discussion too much longer. One, my throat is hurting, and two, I, we got some great questions. I want to make sure we have some time to get to. Um, but you know, I, one last note, I, Barry, our numbers tend to rise quite significantly when we talk about sexy topics or like risque topics. So I'm mm-hmm. expecting a lot of downloads for this construction safety and phasing plans episode. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be big. <laughs> Uh, thank you to our patrons and all of our Twitter followers this week for selecting our topic. And thank you to our friends over at the Transportation Research Board for our news story this week. If you want to follow along, we do post the links to the original articles on our weekly roundups and our blog. And also join us on our Discord for more discussion on these stories. We're going to take a quick break. And then we'll be back to see what's going on in the Human Factors community right after this. Human Factors Cast brings you the best in Human Factors news, interviews, conference coverage, and overall fun conversations into each and every episode we produce. But we can't do it without you. The Human Factors Cast Network is 100% listener supported. All the funds that go into running the show come from our listeners. Our patrons are our priority, and we want to ensure we're giving back to you for supporting us. Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like access to our weekly Q&As with the hosts, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Minute, a Patreon-only weekly podcast where the hosts break down unique, obscure, and interesting Human Factors topics in just one minute. Patreon rewards are always evolving, so stop by patreon.com slash humanfactorscast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you, and remember, it depends. Yes, Patreon. We especially want to thank our uh, Human Factors, honorary Human Factors cast staff, patron Michelle Tripp. Patrons like you keep the show running. Uh, seriously, we we use those funds to, to, to support the lab and everything like that. There is one tier that uh, we don't normally talk about, um, and that is the show sponsor. Now, we do our show sponsor through Patreon. We ha- historically haven't had one, and we have wanted to keep the show sort of sponsor-free. Um, and really, it's just a it's if it makes sense, we'll do a sponsor type of thing. I do want to talk about it, though, especially this month as we're doing this whole pride campaign. This would be a great month for a sponsor to jump on um, because in this tier, we'll read sort of 150 words of their choice every week um, in place of that Patreon commercial that you just heard. So if you want to reach, you know, thousands of human factors practitioners, that's a way to do it. Um you know, the, there's also a permanent link on our website that our sponsors get. I, I say all this because if you're listening and you know of a company that might be looking for human factors uh, engineers for their company and want to reach others, uh, this might be a good thing to bring up or I don't know. It's just, it does help the show, right? We're not begging for money here. 
Um, in fact, you know, we're like I said, we're giving away 30% of our Patreon proceeds this month to the Trevor Project. It's just a good month to do it. And it's something that we don't often talk about. Um, you know, it, it's a sponsorship is an opportunity. So if you're looking for that, that, that might be something to consider. I don't know. Barry, any words on sponsorship? How's K Sharp looking? Do you got the budget for that? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll go and talk to the boss. Uh, no, I mean too, it is a. I mean this month especially is a. We were having that the conversation in the in the pre-show about you know a lot of companies like us are looking at the moment to say right what can we do that is not just um, you know rinse in the pride logo what what can we do something that is actually going to make a difference is actually meaningful and and something like this uh, would would make an awful lot of sense. So if you're out there thinking that this is a good idea, then you need to jump on it because if you don't, I'm going to. Oh, so. there you go. Wow. Oh, did we just get a commitment on the show? Ooh. You saw it. Oh. Oh, you got a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't tease me with a good time, Barry. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, why don't we go ahead and switch gears and get into this next part of the show we like to call. It came from. It came from. Right, it came from, this is the part of the show, show where we search all over the internet to bring you topics that the community is talking about. We only pick good stuff. Always. We only pick good questions. <laughs> Anything is fair game as long as it's, uh, you know, useful to somebody. I don't know. If you find these answers useful, though, uh, give us a like or follow or whatever it is. I don't know. Whatever platform you're listening or watching on, just let us know that you like this stuff to help other people find it. The, the algorithms algorithms all right we got three tonight uh this first one here is by shan hart on the ux research subreddit they say is ux research recession proof they go on to write i recently transitioned into a ux research role but if a recession hits and our team is impacted i'll definitely be the first one on the chopping block so i'm wondering how recession proof the ux field is or by extension Human factors, right? So how is, Barry, in your opinion, is the UX field or human factors field recession-proof? Oh, I'd love to say yes, because everybody should be doing human factors and it should be at the core and underpinning everything what we do. But I think my fear is no. Um, I think the overall field is, so you've got some sectors that will always be there and always be needed, things like defense, things like health, the safety-critical elements certainly from a human factors perspective that probably won't go away um but maybe some of the um other pieces where there's certain elements that i think that people find easy, easy to chop off programs and unless you've got um a true understanding of the value of of these sort of things then maybe maybe they get chopped so i'd love to say yes but my fear is depend it, it is sector dependent um I don't know. I hope it is because I, I don't want to go looking for another job anytime soon. You know, throw me with it. It depends. Huh? Uh, yeah. I mean, for me, it's like in some ways, yes. And and really, you kind of touched on it. That's largely whether or not <laughs> the ROI is understood by the organization that is uh, making the cuts. Right. Like, uh, I think if the value is known of UX, of human factors, what it brings to the table, um, they are less likely to go. But uh, in, in a lot of cases, I have seen UX or human factors be one of the first things to go. So yeah, it's it. Uh, I'm going to throw the it depends as well because it, it really will be kind of dependent on what 
the company culture is and how they value those roles. And really, I, it comes back to you, too, uh, in these roles. Um, how do you communicate that ROI? How are you showing the things that you're doing are making impactful differences? Uh, and that, that can be scary if you're not doing that. <laughs> All right. Uh, any other last thoughts on that one? Um, yeah, I think I guess to put, to put into a real, real context, I have been in the situation where I got made redundant. Um, and you know, I was in a, a an HF role. They said they didn't need it anymore. It went the next day I got a phone call from the same company saying, Oh, by the way, we just realized nobody else can do what you do. Um, can you finish all the projects you're working on? It's like, but, but, you, but that that's just weird. So sometimes, particularly in a large company, people will just, you know, it's almost impersonal. People will cut things. And, but I think, you know, as I've never been out of work for the past, what, 20 years that I've been in industry, I think, I think the overall industry is probably quite like is, is proof. But if you, your dream job might not be, I think it's possibly a, a, a more f- a finessed way of putting it. Yeah. And I mean, if you ever find yourself in the situation that Barry did, I mean, you, you consider yourself lucky because you can come back and say, yes, I'm absolutely willing to help. My rate is now four times what you were paying me yesterday. You well, know? you were listening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, did you do that? Because <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't quite, I didn't do, I didn't do anything on the money, but I did turn around and this was, you know, um, what, 20, 18 years ago, something like that. But anyway, I, I did turn around and say, um, I, um, I'm going to work from home. I'm going to work these days. I'm going to do these meetings. Um, ring me if you need me. I'll come in if you need to, but I'm not coming in otherwise, blah, 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 blah. Um, and yeah, they, they did try and push back on that. And I was like, well, what are you going to do? Fire me or, or, or what you, you kind of already been there. Um, <laughs> so I, I got an extra, I think three months work out with them, which meant also, oh, cause I also then turned around and said, oh, by the way, and if I get job interviews or anything like that, I'm going to do them. Um, so it does sort sort of put you in a position of power for them last the, yeah. that last yeah. it was a yeah that's nice yeah it is nice uh, call me freckles in in the comments here is doing that with their uh, former employer or potentially future employer as well so uh, thank you for that comment uh, let's go into this next one here this one is by uh, jwwwcc on the user experience subreddit. How much would an internship add to my value in qualifying for full-time roles? And how many should I do before applying? Uh, They go on to write, I am currently interning as a UX designer in a multinational firm, but I'm scared of the future. With all these boot camps and obnoxious YouTubers and TikToker. Oh, shh, that's us. Uh, (laughs) Oh, no, we don't glamorize boot camps. Uh, it, it (laughs) It would be an even more saturated field. I genuinely love what I'm doing, but finding a full-time job is becoming a worry for me since I graduated from university. Frank, uh, Barry, what do you look for in candidates? And really, how many internships do they typically have under their belt? What's important? So I'm not. I'm going to try and not steal your answer in the fact that I look for good, I look for people. I look I look for good attitude. Um, and it's it's about so for me the, as an employee, the value of the of the internship is not kind is is not the fact that you've done them um as such it's about you've you've had an opportunity to learn how business runs and the difference between business and being in you know being in education is could be a massive culture shock to some people and just knowing the fact that you know sometimes you you 
it's not like having an assignment to hand in. You know, you're you're there is an expectation of self motivation. There's an an expectation of wanting to do stuff to a high quality, not to get a good grade, but just to get it out the door. Um, about being able to be that self motivated person that sorts stuff out for yourself. And, you know, just, just them and knowing that if you're going to go on a coffee break, then you know that that's absolutely fine. That that's all good, but you are expected to sit back down at the desk as well. Um, you know, timekeeping. Uh, you know. Even if you're flexible working, you're still expected to be contactable. You know, all that sort of the, the stuff that once you've been in this industry for a bit, you sort of take for granted. That's what the value for me about the internship is you get to learn that sort of stuff whilst you're going through um, either your education piece or post-education, whatever. Um, and then it's the, it's the value of what you've got out of that. So have you learned to be a good communicator, to be a good um a good worker, a good, good team worker um, for the good of the project, not just for the good of your own um, grades, as it were. Um, but fundamentally, it's about having that, the ability to show off that good, um, that good attitude. What about you, Nick? What do you think? Yeah, no, I think all that is spot on. Um, you know, I think really when you're looking at, the, you know, the business um, experience is great. Not all internships have that. Sometimes you're working kind of in a sub sect of a company it's sometimes it's weird and so the things that i am looking at here is not necessarily number um when i'm looking at candidates i'm not looking at the number of internships that you've had um and uh really i'm i'm not even looking at whether or not you've had an internship i'm looking at your experience and and the quality of individual experience. I'm just going to leave it at experience, right? I initially in my notes here had internships, but this goes just for experience as well. So like if you work in a lab or if you work in uh, academia or anything like that, the, the value of, or I guess the, um, the quality of, of what you learned there and are taking forward with you is what I'm looking at. Uh, and I think Barry, you hit the nail on the head. The business experience is a big part of that. Um, how well are you going to integrate with a team that's already established? Uh, but ultimately, you know, you could have, you know, we talk about innovation all the time on this show and how it's just applying something, you know, from one domain to another. And if you can do that, if you can show me that you have like some really cool ideas coming out of this uh, internship or um, experience that you have, Right. Then I think that's that's where I'm at. It's like bring that to the table because that's what I'm interested. In. I don't care about the number. Um, I, I care about the, uh, the the quality. So I don't know if you're if you're between a couple different options of internships. This might be another question that you ask um, if you're fortunate enough to get, you know, uh, several different offers. It's like which one of the ones are that you think are going to be the most fruitful in terms of. I would almost say breadth of experience at that point, not necessarily depth because you get the depth later um, and and the breadth will really come in handy for uh, being able to one, identify what you want to do and two, um, being able to communicate a, a wider variety of things to prospective employers. I don't know. That's my two cents. Any other closing thoughts on that one? Um, I guess there's just one thing that with what you said, it, there's a, I have a current irritation at the moment that um um, the, a lot of employers are out there asking for graduates to, you know, re recent leavers from from um, academia to come and join companies, but also to have a breadth of experience. And I think it's it's 
incumbent on us as employees to recognize that um, when you're doing your your learning piece, you're doing your learning piece, you, you don't come out with, you know, fully polished experience. And the, and the ones that do um, generally, you know, are they, are they come, what have they given up in order to do all of that to come, come to you with? Um, I do, as I say, it's a bit of a annoy, slight annoyance at the moment. I think we expect too much out of, from an experience perspective, um, for out, out of um, recent recent academia leaders. Um, yeah, I, I, I will second that. I don't yeah. that. <laughs> that's, that's a whole separate uh, rabbit hole slash question we can get into. Um, all right, let's get into this last one here. What uh, questions to ask PMs before starting research project? This is by uh, Klutzy Platypus 4208 on the user experience subreddit. Uh, UX research subreddit, sorry. Uh, hey guys, I received my first ever project in uh, UX research. I'm really excited and want to do well. My first task would be to understand the project requirements and then interact with the stakeholders and PM to learn about the business goals, target users, etc. I'd like to know what kind of questions I need to ask the PMs. Uh, of course, there's some things that I know, but uh, what, what are the right, how do I frame the right questions to understand how I move forward? Barry, what type of questions do you typically ask the PMs on your projects? Stupid questions. Yes. Lots and lots and lots and lots of stupid questions. And th there's two reasons be behind that. One is, uh, particularly if I'm working in a team, um, and I'm leading the team especially, I've got, um, I want to show to other people that I've got no problem with, with asking stupid questions. Because the only stupid, and it's a cliche, but the only stupid question is the one you don't ask. Um, we generally go into projects not not knowing anything or anywhere near as much depth as the stakeholders you're working with, the users you're working with. So just get the, I, I like to um, work out who my stakeholders are. What Really, what's the point of the project? What is it you're trying to get to? But not the point that they think it is, but actually, what is it you're really trying to achieve? Almost getting to the, um, that one step beyond um, what are you trying to achieve as, as opposed to what it is you're trying to do? Um, who's it for? You know, it, what, sometimes you can be doing, I, I got into um, a fairly interesting situation, you know, within the past 12 months where I was designing um, or uh, helping manage a, a design that I thought was going to be for, for clients and customers. And it wasn't until towards the end that we realized, actually, it's not. It's for to give a potential, a potential future funder confidence that, that this app could do do great things well that changed the entire perspective of what we were doing and it's because we didn't really truly understand who was the product for and then and, the, and why you're doing it um and again it sounds like quite simple because somebody will come in and say we've got requirements we've got pages of requirements we've got books of requirements um or not depending on what you're doing but actually then get get into um, get somebody to put it into a simple phrase or a simple sentence a simple paragraph what is it you're trying to do um and then he, he asks stupid questions, just get people to clarify. I mean, the, doing the who, the whole who, what, why, when, where um, approach. Again, it, it's a simple framework, but actually it can be quite powerful if you if you use it consistently. Um, but yeah, do, just just ask questions, um, dig into it. Um, I get it's not really that helpful to, to to the way that the way that they've asked it, but you've you know because I don't think there is a true framework out there. there there's no be all and end all. It, it's about how you interact with the stakeholders, with the project manager, um, because some stuff they'll give over willingly and then you dissect some of that stuff. Or they might just turn around and say, well, you just get on with it. Um, and then yeah. you, you almost have to start from scratch and, and it's like uh, digging uh, through granite. Um, what about you, Nick? How, how do you do it from um, from the beginning? Same. All right, we're getting to the next part of the show. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely ask those stupid questions. I, I think 
I want to spend a little bit more time on the types of stupid questions that I ask. The who, what, when, where, why is really important. And I think the first thing that I like to start with is the context. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing the thing that we're doing? The why? Um, and then I kind of go into the what. What are the business goals? Why are why are we doing this to fulfill what business goals? Uh, and then really from there, it's like once I sort of understand um, you know, the context behind something, the business goals as to why we're doing that thing, then I get into sort of what is our objective? What do you as a PM want out of this research? Because that is really critically important. Um, if the PM doesn't get something that they don't, that they need, then you're not going to have a successful research project. You're, you're, you're largely going to give them something that is unusable to them. And so having a conversation with them about what is the final product that they need? Do they need a spreadsheet of something? Do they need a PowerPoint presentation detailing use cases of something? Do they need um, you know, a detailed competitive analysis of something, right? Be very clear what they need at the end of all this so that way they can move on, right? Or, or update requirements or anything like that. Do they need updated designs? That in a lot of cases is true. They do. Um, and, and that is, you know, your responsibility to work with design and, and do all that. But so really understanding the context of everything. And then, um, you know, the, the other types of questions that I like to ask is, okay, wh what exists out there today um, that, that you can send my way this could be like Jira tickets. This could be like community questions from existing users that they have on, you know, in a backlog somewhere and asking all these questions and putting it all on the table and saying, okay, here's everything that we have. Well, one that generates leads for users. If you say, you know, Hey, has anyone mentioned this to you? Yeah. Well, I had a guy from this company. Oh, well, why don't we reach out to him for comment? Um, that's like a immediate in. And so, starting to get everything in one place and consolidate everything that you know about a project is going to really go a long way, especially when you consider um, sort of how to approach a research project that will change over time. Um, you know, other questions, what users are this for? Uh, or who, who is this for? Who do we want to talk to? Because there's sometimes things that you're developing for somebody that might actually you want to include talking to somebody else in there. Right. Do you include a decision maker when it's actually um, somebody who's using the product? Well, the decision maker is going to decide whether or not that gets enabled. So, yeah, let's talk to them. Um, so, so these are the types of questions. Uh, and there's a lot of them. Um, I would highly recommend that you sort of come up with some sort of framework for asking all these questions in a, in a consistent way and documenting the answers. Um, so that way you know where to find those answers as you go through and develop your research. That's a lot to say, Barry, I ask the same types of questions. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a million ways to do it. Just do it what, what's right for you, but ask everything, everything, get as much detail as you can, everything in the kitchen sink, even if you don't think it's, uh, necessary because it probably is. All right. Now let's get to the part of the show where we say one more thing, Barry, what is your one more thing this week? So this week, I've picked up a new hobby. Wow. Yeah. And it's roasting my own coffee. Wow. I know. I had no idea, really, that you could e do it so easily from home. Because obviously, I'm quite a fan of um, uh, filter coffee and, well, you know, um, almost any any type of coffee, really. Bring, bring on the caffeine. Oh, with these um, Thursday I, nights, of course. Well, yeah. Um, 
so I sort of got into into looking and said, well, how hard could this be? Because obviously, we, you know, getting hold of um, the 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 actual coffee beans themselves is kind of difficult in the UK because we don't have the uh, the climate to make it work. But if you could get hold of them, is roasting your own coffee a thing? Could that that work? And I've learned all sorts of YouTube is so much my friend at the moment. Um, so I'm learning all about um, roasting coffee. So I've I've now roasted my own coffee at home. Um, so I've had my beans and I've, I've I've ground it and everything and. I had a friend around for coffee this afternoon with my my own roasted coffee, and and he said very complimentary. That's not bad. That's so not bad. I, I thought I was like, well, it was a weird one when I sort of picked out my first. I had my first cup of coffee with it, and I don't know what I expected, but I was like, this tastes like coffee. And I think oh. that was that was just a bonus, you know. I I didn't know whether I expected it to take because you know when like maybe you cook, you bake a cake or something, and it's not quite the same as somebody who can do it really well. Um, okay. like this, but I had this cup of coffee and it tasted like a good cup of coffee. I was like, that, I, I've done that, okay. so I'm I'm very proud of myself at the moment. We we need to make bury the barista merch. Can, uh, can we yeah. make bury the barista merch? But, we should well, get somebody in our lab on it. Anyway, <laughs> that, 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 that sounds like that sounds that sounds a good idea. <laughs> I'm very much toying with the idea of the. Do I want to? So is this just something that I do at home, or does it become a side hustle, where I now I start develop, developing my own brand and start selling um, coffee to the local area? Um, I, I could because it requires no, you know, it's so different from the day job that it's actually quite good fun to do. And actually, I was surprised it doesn't actually take very long to roast a batch of coffee. It's about 15, 20 minutes. Huh. Um, I don't know why I expected a lot more. Um, and it was it's just quite therapeutic. So I I, I don't know. I, this this might end up to be an entirely new enterprise. I might give up human factors forever and and just become a coffee roaster. We, we yeah we we need to get some Barry the barista merch. <laughs> yeah. It's yes. gotta happen. I, I need an apron, a brown apron. <laughs> yeah. We can, can put it on an apron. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, that's about me, Nick. What about you? What's your one more thing? Oh, in traditional Barry fashion, I'm gonna do three more things today. <laughs> I know you do two. I, I know, two. but you didn't do two today, so I'm gonna take one of yours. Okay, fair. <laughs> And I only I always do one. So here's here's the thing. So uh, there was a lot going on before I had to leave uh, for vacation. And uh, there was a lot going on. Um, and that was a lot. I just want to say it probably seemed seamless to you listening or watching. Uh, but that was a lot of work. And just thank you for sticking with us in our like one week of technical absence. But really, it was like a three week vacation for us back here behind the scenes. Actually, not really. It was like maybe a week <laughs> vacation for me because I was still doing stuff. Um, but that leads me to my second point here. Star Wars Celebration is where I went. It was great. Um, I got to see the first two episodes of Obi-Wan with Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor in the same room. Uh, it was it was pretty sweet on the big screen, you know. Um and uh, I was posting all about it in the Discord. You can go and see, like, my in, uh, I think it was in the random channel. You can go and see kind of my experiences as they were happening. I was like, oh, I was, you know, 100 feet away from some cool people. Um, and, you know, I think the the most, or, or I guess the, the biggest thing that I think that whole experience for me this time around last time it was just it, i i say it jokingly not jokingly 
it was it was a spiritual experience last time because it was the Chewy were home trailer and you know I was there with all the big stars on the stage and um it was just to to be around that fandom in a loving caring environment like there was there's it, fandom can be incredibly toxic in a lot of cases and it just wasn't in this place um and it just it's so comforting to have that uh in in one place it's just despite you know all the germs floating around but um i think the the biggest thing for me is that we added a new fan to that mix when we went my my wife and i've been really careful with how we've introduced star wars to my son's life um we never wanted it to be too forced you know he knows what a lightsaber is he looks over my shoulder and sees these he knows what those are um but when we went, you know, he was saying hi to R2-D2. He was saying hi to BB-8, all the droids. He's a droid fan. He loves droids. Um, and just the fact that we made a Star Wars fan out of that little kid uh, is is like that that warms my heart. Um, and and that leads me to my third point of the one more thing. It's all connected is uh, his costume, his costume. Uh, I've been talking about it for weeks. My wife and I spent so much time on this thing. We never got him into the full costume, and that's okay. We got him into almost everything sans the mask, which is sitting right here above my right shoulder. Um, we didn't forget it like Barry did his audio equipment for EHF, but we brought it. He just didn't want to wear it because it. I'm sure it feels claustrophobic, low field of vision, you know, all that stuff. So we got a pretty good picture of him. Again, it'll be in the Discord. You can go see it there. Um, and, and the character that it's supposed to be, Darth Revan, uh, which is also his name, um, Revan. We name him Darth. Anyway, so um, <clears throat> it was just overall a really positive experience. And, uh, you know, adjusting to being back is, um, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot, man. There's, uh, and being sick, like I was fine until Friday after the lab meeting. I'm raising my voice, but I was fine until Friday after the lab meeting. And then something just hit me and I was just over the weekend out. And then Monday, Tuesday out, like it's just bad. Okay, that's my one more thing, and I think that's the show. Uh, so thank you everyone for joining us uh, this week. If uh, if you like what uh, we talked about today, especially around the topic of airports, I don't know. Uh, I'll encourage you all to go listen to what happens when uh, we have flying cars and what that means for the future of transportation. Episode two hundred thirteen, and these airports might even become obsolete. We never know. Uh, comment wherever you're listening with what you think of the story this week. I know it's a little non-traditional for us, but let us know. For more in-depth discussion, you can always join us on our community Discord. Uh, visit our official website. Sign up for our newsletter. Stay up to date with all the latest Human Factors news. And keep up with our Pride campaign, too. We have new stuff dropping all month long uh, to celebrate Pride. If you like what you hear, you want to support the show, there's a couple things you can do. One, leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening, watching, viewing, whatever. That really helps other people find the show says it, it's good or whatever or leave us a bad review i don't know don't do that if you, um <laughs> tell, tell your friends about us word of mouth is how we grow seriously if somebody says hey i listened to this really great podcast and these guys uh this, this one guy was sick the whole time and the other guy talked about tools and uh and coffee it was it was great uh that'll really help us grow and three if you can support us on patreon that's a 30 of our proceeds this month going to the trevor project um and especially if you want to become a show sponsor you know barry said he'd jump on it if uh no one else did so either way i got a sponsor <laughs> uh just kidding but do do check out the patreon we we do always kick back a lot of stuff for our patrons uh and this month especially you'd be doing uh, a lot of youth uh, a, a good favor uh, i want to thank um 
links to all, all of our socials and our website in the description of this episode, as always. I want to thank Mr. Barry Kirby for being on the show today. Where can our listeners go and find you if they want to talk about you about the exciting world of construction safety? Exciting world. Interesting words. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Buzz K and other socials at Mr. BP Kirby. Um, but if you want to hear some Human Factors interviews, come and find me on 1202 Human Factors Podcast at 1202podcast.com. As for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me on our Discord server when I'm not sick and across social media at Nick underscore Rome. Thanks again for tuning in to Human Factors Cast. Until next time, it, it depends. depends. And then we're doing a post show, so um, not bad. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's weird being in the podcasting seat again because um, I gotta get used to timing. And that was such a weird episode because we did like uh, you know a, a 15 minute news story. <laughs> then oh, we yeah, did because yeah, I was expected to bail like half an hour ago. Then um, um, yeah, we 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 packed that one. Well. Yeah, wow. that was a that was that was a lot. Um, and and uh, you know sometimes we tail load it so there's that uh but this is the post show um you know one thing that i didn't mention that i was going to mention on the uh one more things um is uh the 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 new obi-wan show there's a new droid lola okay it's it's a very tiny droid it's like a ladybug droid it it like kind of fits in your hand without spoiler i'm not going to spoil for anybody um whose it is or, or what the story is behind it uh, but, but it's a very cute droid, and um, I uh, I got some files, some three D files. I've been printing it for days. Uh, it, yeah, it's very it's very tiny, but there's a lot of pieces and parts. And cool. Looks really good. Um, it's not sanded yet or anything. It's just you know, it'd be great to see it. It'd be it would be great to see it, wouldn't it? I uh, this one I'm building for my wife because she wants to paint it with like a pumpkin uh, color scheme. Oh, cool. And, okay, yeah, yeah, and you know put like the flickering lights in it make it look like a uh, a pumpkin um and so i gave it to her uh, a couple hours ago to show her like hey look all the pieces are finished printing except for the feet um and uh she must have taken it and put it on her shelf somewhere or something uh, because i cannot find it it's um... (laughs) It's okay i'm gonna make my own uh thankfully the one i printed for her is a little bit um large for the scale the the droid actually fits into a child's hands um and, oh, okay. and right, right. this one fits into um a, an adult's hand and so it's it's the scale's a little bit off i want to print mine at scale because mm-hmm. uh, it's very cute it's a cute That's droid right. the I, I changed my one more thing because um i've sort of forgotten that going to his coffee roasting which is weird <laughs> so much of it but the other thing that I had is um, I've got myself a new um, electronic notebook. Electric um, notebook? Yeah. So but this one is, so you know, like you get like iPads and that now with pens and all that sort of stuff. And they don't work because when you lean on them, they they, they don't write properly or they, they, it's too glary and things like that. I've mm-hmm. now got um, uh, an e-notebook that uses um, e-paper like a Kindle Paperwhite. And... Okay. And it works really, really well. Um, so I'm, I'm like a, a convert. I, I, a friend of mine had one, and I looked at it, played with it, and I was like, actually, this writes really, really well. I like it, and it interacts. You can either, you know, it, it, it works with Google, it works with um, the Microsoft thing, so you can have OneNote on there. It's got its own uh, native app that works, and it's, not, it's on, it's on Android. And um, yeah, I was completely blown away. My quickest five hundred quid I've ever spent. Hmm. But, 
but um, but if I um, you have that which is always that I need to read the thing up, um, and it'll hold it. It'll it'll hold power for like ages, which is quite clever. So it's um, it's got an Onyx Books Air Two. If you're that sort of thing, um, and they're not paying me for any of this, by the way. The, um, you know, you know, Barry, we we uh, we've been kicking around the ideas of doing some reviews over here on the cast. Um, if you would like to do a review, we've we've got the framework basically from that other from that consumer review episode. I've been put together a little guide for us to write those reviews. If you want to do that, like, let me know. <laughs> we have really, a place to host those. Because <laughs> somebody else reached out to me the other day. Um, they were trying to sell it. I think it was a chair or something like that. And um, it made me think of that. I was like, well, actually, if we, if we do try to, was like, we could say, well, if you pass it this way, we could do a review for, review for you and publish it. Um, but it would also yeah. be our own. Um, you know, we're not going to tell us what to say type thing. But um, yeah, so this is. So th- oh, in fact, that's yeah, in fact, Barry, that's that's covered in our ethics policy. If we receive anything uh, for free, we uh, we disclose that. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it, <laughs> it's really cool. Um, well, yeah, if you've got to spare five hundred quid, oh, that I guess. What, what is the exchange rate? So it'd be about six hundred dollars, I guess. Um, I but, just buy a laptop. Well, this is kind of where I was at because if you've got a laptop, this is where you look. Because I always, I for every project I start, um, I like to have a notebook, and just because it's the stuff you want to scribble in, I don't necessarily keep comprehensive notes, but I know when I'm writing, doodling, drawing, whatever, it's the no, it's not just the value of what I've written, but it's how I've written it because it takes me back to what I was thinking when I was writing it. If that makes sense. Okay. It's yeah. as much as anything else as well. And and so I can go to any part of my book and know where I was at in the project, not just by the notes I've written, but by the fact what I was doing at the time. Um, but it meant that if I was doing a short project, I could use because we've got books with K Sharp on them and stuff. And I'm like, I'm, I'm wasting. I feel like I'm wasting these books. Right. Um, so maybe using half of them, you don't really just want to cut half the pages out because then the next project doesn't feel as pristine. Um, it was part of my sort of process of right. It's a new project, new book, right on the front. Da da da. Um, and so this is my attempt to not use, not wait, not burn as many trees um, in the use of these. But it, it, I've never had a writing experience with these things that worked before in a way that I was comfortable with. And this is the first one that has. So, oh, interesting. Now, now I got to ask, like when you when you go back through your notes, um, is there some like I don't know semi-tactile way in which you can flip through pages uh, that that gives you that same sense of understanding where your notes are in context of the other notes that gives you that that sort of uh, sense of relation to where you are, where you were in the at the time place with the project it does does have, yeah so if you in the native notes app it has it does have like that, that idea of pages and all that sort of stuff and and what it's quite neat is when you close the notebook it will then save it to a pdf wherever you're wherever you set it up to do that so that means that at any one point in time you don't need the thing it'll actually upload it and you can go and flick through the pdf that mm. way um but it will do it on its own as well so you can like flick through the pages and and you can set up the pages to be different sizes, have different backgrounds, you know, like templates and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it, it's just quite a, an interesting thing. The thing to get used to, so if you've used like a Kindle 
particularly the, their paper white um, technology, um, you know, where it sort of refreshes the page sort of every five mm-hmm. or whatever. So it has that. So if you're watching, you can actually put YouTube on it. But watching YouTube is like watching something in the Matrix where it has that really glitchy mm-hmm. uh, look. So it's not made for that. But the, but the thing we found it can do is it can cast. So when I was looking at it, I was like, great. That means if I'm drawing a diagram and I want to say, look, we can all look at this diagram. I can throw it. I can cast it to the, the, the monitor or the TV screen that we're using in the meeting room. That's then great. When, uh, yeah. So, but then when, if you were to cast a movie to like YouTube, it actually casts it natively. So you don't, you don't get the glitchiness. It runs right. it. I was like, that's just amazing. I don't, I, I don't know why I should be so surprised by that, but it just works really well. So it's got great potential as long as it can be organized right, I think. Um, okay. Yeah. So I, I shall, I shall keep you appraised of how it, how it goes. Yes. I would love to know more about that. Um, I think, I wanted something like that for a very long time. I think the uh, the thing for me is the organization. Like, yes. um, I, I don't. I need to be able to quickly access things, and so, like for me, the I'll, I'll talk about something that's um, not work related. I'll talk about uh, the lab. All right, the stuff with the lab. I I I, uh, I I put everything in an easily accessible way. Right? There's a there's a podcast lab folder on my phone where it's like okay here's you know all the all the um all the metrics here's all the uh all the tools that i use to communicate here's all the stuff that we use behind the scenes all that stuff um and i need to be able to quickly get to it and so that's part of my selection criteria for some of the tools that we use in the lab is how effective is this to get to it how effective is it to edit that information and how effectively can i um sort of collaborate with others and you know some of the tools are great and some of the tools are not so great so i i, re- I really need to work on the there's some things i need to work on behind the scenes <laughs> um yeah this, this does this quite so because it works on android it'd be so like the show notes for tonight um i tried them out by reading and editing initially using the tab using this tablet um and it kind of worked it worked really well for reading the you know what you already put there it worked really well for reading the article i'd imagine it hang on can i can i guess can i guess i'd imagine it break down with the table the other table was fine table was fine okay uh then then i would imagine it would break down maybe perhaps with the colored font yeah so it is one color um so you can see where i'd put in the notes where it had just come up red Mm-hmm. Uh, for the initial thought bit, that was because I selected a grey pen colour, and um, it's not as red on the actual real thing. Um, so that's that. So you, there is a you lose some nuance with that, but I guess mm-hmm. that's for me part of the trade-off of having. Yeah, and ultimately, a- for for our show notes, it doesn't matter, right? Like the red is just placeholder text that we ultimately yeah. replace. As long as we read it on the show, it doesn't matter. Um, so, so are you, you're able, you're actually like sitting there writing and then it translates it to text, puts it in. So it does have it. So it can do, so Google will do this thing anyway as part of uh, Google Docs where you can do handwriting, handwriting recognition or you can just type, but it, I was doing this with just the keyboard. I found the keyboard wasn't that, so the, the, the touch keyboard wasn't quite as cool as it, as it could be. Um, okay. and, and I didn't really have time to, to play with the, with the handwriting recognition bit of that. 
I have done some of the handwriting. I've written some of my own notes, and then it does have two AI, supposedly AI, and it's not really AI, AI but um, two AI programs that will do some um, handwriting recognition. Mm. And unfortunately, I, I suffer from, I think, I would generally call it like a doctor's handwriting thing. Doctor, yeah, same. So, no, nobody can understand my handwriting. So, if any sort of an AI thing could actually understand it, I'd be suspicious of it anyway. Yeah, that's that. That that is the biggest thing for me is that when I go to like handwrite stuff, my handwriting is terrible, um, terrible. And so, I, if I if the the system doesn't understand it half the time, where I'm like, you know, I put in an N and it thinks it's a a, a D or something, you know, like it, it's just. It, uh, yeah, hang on. I got, it's been forever since I've actually handwritten something. Now I feel like I have to. Well, see, when I've, I mean, because I handwrite into a notebook, like I say, they're not, it's not comprehensive mm. notes. It's notes, jottings, and things like that. So all I was looking for is for my use case is something that replaces or works in that same way. If you could do handwriting recognition and put it in text, into typewritten text, then, you know, that's an added bonus, but it, it wasn't. It wasn't a requirement for me, um, but it's still interesting to see how it how it pulls it all together. Um, I mean, again, then when you get you use use OneNote, so I messed around with using OneNote as part of the um, the Office three six five package, and now that I can get OneNote on this app, and I can actually write notes on it, and right. then I go to my PC, uh, PC or laptop open up the same notebook there and have all them written notes there and i'm like actually that then becomes even more useful we tend to try and have a notebook for a project um in that in that sort of one note way which we've not really utilized but if the other because the other issue that we have is when we have a member of staff lead they'll have created they'll have had their own notebooks and things like that and right. a lot of that quite sensitive information so how do we ensure that we've got all that information back and destroyed of appropriately um you know if, if they say they bought all the, all the notebooks back well you are going a lot on trust at that point and fair enough that, that that works um but if we give everybody one of these and if it's good enough to do that then actually you know that when you actually get when you get the device back at the end of when they when they're going to leave then you know you can cleanse everything and so there is a, a sort of security aspect that that, that pleases me too so, um, not that I'm going to buy ten of these at any one point because because that, that, that's quite expensive. Yeah, um, that's a lot. But it, I think because you know, we, we'll spend out on getting somebody decent laptop. Um, but if we also expect them to keep notes and things as well, then is it just part of that toolkit that we would we would provide? Is it is it useful? So that's where we're at the moment. We, I'm going through probably a couple of months worth of trial um, mm. to see whether it's is it just a fad and something that that is quite cool or is it something that's actually going to make our lives better and easier? So, so we shall see, and, and, and we'll, we'll find out. Let me talk about handwriting for a second. Handwriting is dumb. <laughs> Fair enough. Ask me to write a word. You just pick a word out of... Elephant. All right. Um, would you like to guess how many of those... Uh, so, so I'm I'm writing in lowercase. Okay. Would you like to guess how many <laughs> how many of those letters came out as uppercase? Probably most of them. One. Oh, what? Okay. Okay. It's a P, and it's it's kind of hard to see because 
is the same uppercase, lowercase. Give me another word. Give me another word. Um, Triangle. Okay, this is this is a great example. Thank you. Um, I am writing in lowercase. Would you like to know or guess guess uh, how many letters came out uppercase? Uh, Two, four, T R I A. So, like, this is why uh, this is why AI um, is probably (laughs) necessary to, to. to translate some of my handwriting. So when you're doing when you're doing whiteboarding, then or you're doing post-it sessions, mm-hmm. I, do you get other people to write your notes for you? I do. Oh, okay. All the time, uh, m- many times, I should say. When I when I do have to write, when I'm forced to write, I like make sure I do everything caps letters because writing lowercase for me is terrible. I I hate writing lowercase because I swap it with upper, and it's not, it has nothing to do with um. It ha- oh sorry, I just realized the L in triangle is caps as well. It just looks like a C. <laughs> the The issue for me is that I find some cases easier to write or easier to um, quicker to write, and mm-hmm. and for me, yeah. off it's a speed accuracy trade off, right? So, like for me, a caps A is much easier than a lowercase A. It's okay. Yeah. Up down yeah. cross right versus circle down and you know to me in my brain caps a is much easier to do right so a is a lot of times unless i'm going a n i think that's that's the other example because elephant yeah a n it wasn't caps there it's weird because the combination of what it's next to dictates how i write it yes yeah so, yeah and so you get this like weird uh, example here where I am. Whoops! Let's do that. That's my triangle. Yeah, yeah. It's ugly. An elephant. Yeah, I can see that. I wrote thirsty yeah. above that because. So, see, I, I find it as part of the almost the mystique of it because I'll end up doing um, the when I'm doing like post-its in particular. Um, I know I will just you know I encourage people to write just scribble stuff down don't worry about it what it looks like or anything like that because actually what I quite like doing is every trucks the post it's on the wall we'll, we'll do some sort of theming or grouping exercise and that type of thing but part of me part of it will be me standing up there saying right who wrote this because I've got no idea what it says what is it saying what do you mean and that right. encourages that person to say oh I I'm wrote gray because I wanted to be painted gray and whatever and um it I like it as a as a bit of a mechanism to get people to talk about what the written and to talk around stuff. But it it might be just as I, I just use it. It's almost a bit of a trick. Um, it's, it's interesting because I find it uncomfortable to write. Like if I am asked to write something down and put it up somewhere that's publicly viewable, I'm less likely to do it because it's uncomfortable for me to be like, eh, my handwriting sucks. I'm not gonna put it if up. If I'm See, it's a weird thing. If somebody else asks me to go and write on a whiteboard or something like that, I don't want to do it. If I'm leading the workshop or whatever it is, if it's if I'm doing it, then I I'd like to do it because I get I get to draw my stuff. And in fact, the stuff on the whiteboards have been up there for two three weeks now because we're using it constantly as a reference. But it's 
yeah, it's it's almost a weird thing that if you if you're leading it and you're you're driving it, then actually it's your show, so nobody can criticize you because it's your baby. Um, but if somebody if it's somebody else's thing and they're asking you to go up and write, you're like, well, my handwriting's not very neat. Uh, nobody else will be able to understand what what I'm writing, and I think somebody else should do it. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll quite happily go down that route. Yeah, so it's it's uh, maybe it's a perspective perception. Thing. Handwriting is dumb. <laughs> this, this is my keyboard's running. Into. Touch type. Are you, are you a fast typer? I am. Yeah. See, I'm not. I'm a sort of. I would say I'm a. Are you a plucker? No, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm a fast typer, but not. You um, Because when I was, um, I did extra qualifications when I was at what well, we call secondary school. I don't know what your equivalent is. And so I actually did my, some of my um, uh, typing exams. Um, but I found that I could, my version of touch typing, um, so I can't, I could do more now, but I can't really just look at the screen and type. I sort of look a mixture of looking down and looking up. Mm. Uh, I don't actually need to look down. There's just something there about the referencing. I find that if I just let myself go, I can type um, without looking down, but I still do it just out of, out of habit. Um, Use the little bumps on the keyboard. Yeah, you Um, don't. No, well, I thought I do because I mean that's how I place my hands. But I still just just instinctively look down all that I'm typing. Um, It's just bizarre. Um, But I can do quicker than most people, so that's all that matters to me. I mean, when I was coding all the time, um, then that was a different case. I used to be able to code quite fast, so it's. Oh, look at you trying to show up, except, except you can't spell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said, hey, Barry, check this out. I'm typing to you right now while looking forward. Fard. Missed the W. <laughs> oh, I, I, I got that. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you don't really care for the showing off. I know. I, I just, I, it was funny. Cause I was just sitting here. Looking forward. Yeah, no, I, but I did that without looking at the keys. So that, that's yeah. kind of what I was doing. See, I, I can't do it, but then I was just like, because even though I'm like, I've got the microphone in front of the keyboard, so I can't see it anyway. But oh, yeah. yeah. Great. <laughs> this makes great um, watching and listening. Oh, man. <coughs> oh, you know. Uh... <laughs> How are you feeling now? Because you, you've battled on all the way through that really well. Yeah, you know, I I, I knew I was going to do it. Um, I knew I'd be fine-ish. It's really only when I get excited and try to force air out of my person that uh, I, I tend to have that inability to produce noise <laughs> like when <clears throat> let me see here i don't know Let, let's uh let's get really excited about something like um i don't know T- tell me something exciting um hfes is coming up and hfes is coming <laughs> what was that <coughs> yeah we got like we got some <laughs> yeah hfes is coming and we got some great news about that it'll be it'll be a great year uh to to Follow Human Factors cast and be at HFES. It'll be a great time. Yes. My interview with Chris was really good. I, I'm not watching to push it further, but really interesting. Can I um, can I be honest with you, Barry? 
Yeah, you can be. That episode I have not listened to yet. It's been a. It's been a. It came out on Monday. I, I was sick on Monday. Well, so while you're in your deathbed, the last thing you could have done, I could have listened right. to it. You're right. You know? You're so selfish. And said I was worried about you know whether or not four hours had passed since I had taken medicine previously. There is a certain element around that. You know when you're like that that ill that you're all all you can think about is three hours to go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you just like you just need that next round. Um, yeah. It, it's it's a horrible because there's nothing more you can do. You can just you just endure it, and it's horrible. Yeah. So, yes, I, I, I'll listen to it. I'll listen to it though. It's, um, <laughs> but you've you've interviewed, interviewed Chris, Chris before, though, haven't you? Yeah, a couple times. Oh, you're an old man. Probably huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know. Well, we do the we do the town halls. We he's been on the show twice. You know, it's he, Chris and you know we're 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 pals. We're pals. I got his number. You know, yeah. he commented all my um all, all my LinkedIn stuff. <laughs> on your what? On my LinkedIn stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw that. And he tagged me in it too. I was like, oh, don't bring me into this. <laughs> it was all complimentary. He's all good. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, uh, did. Um, <laughs> He's very much up for the, you know, we talked about the joint town hall thing, UK, yeah. US thing. And I think um, I've spoken to Alex as well, who's the current president uh, on, on this side. And uh, we think it could be a goer. So we need, yeah. we need to do some organizing around that. Hey, maybe 1202 um, should do a, a, a recurring town hall with, uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of um, maybe not so such a good idea right now, given who the, the next because I mean, you can't have a conversation with yourself. Oh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Barry, tell me about. <laughs> well, Barry, but I, I do think that it's something I do want to do next year, yeah. and I think doing it off. I, I want to lean on you to do the um, bit like oh, what sure. you're doing. Yes, yeah. um, is let's do something around that because I think the whole. You know, we could almost do like a every month or every two months. What's going on? Quarterly. Well, uh, HFES does it quarterly. You could do it quarterly as well. Yeah, that, that, that's quite a long time though. Depending on what's going on, um, that means you'd only do four. Um, and I like yeah. giving this you know, voice a lot more than that. Okay. So, well. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's something to chat about in in the lab and stuff around. Um, what can we do? Because let let you know, let's just make the most of it as much as we can. I, I just think that. These organizations should be talking a lot more than we actually are. Yeah, um, I agree. We've got the opportunities to, you know, it makes it so easy to do it now. And we like to talk to ourselves a lot rather than talking out to everyone else. Yeah. Anyway, that, that's my um, rant over. So, I know that, yeah, so let, let's talk about doing that joint town hall thing, uh, the UK US thing. That, that, that opens the door for like a, another joint, right? Like I know IEA did it with HFES at some point. Well, what if you had IEA, HFES, CIHF? Hell, throw Kai in there. And you've got the Australians, you've got the... Yeah. What, what, what if you just had a whole panel of, of leadership across multi, you know, and be like, how, how can... Um, how can all these different uh, organizations um, better serve the field? That'd be cool. Yes, I, th I think there's maybe certain organizations out there that um, 
Um, how can I say this? Look, I can't. How, how does that better serve our pocketbooks? Yeah, well, yeah. Um, in some organizations that just seem to exist for um, just being able to jet around the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rather than doing sensible things. So um, there are going to be some discussions I'm having over the next 18 months. Yeah. But, so. All right. Well, uh, yeah, it's it's about time that we uh, get out of here. So I think we're going to get out of here. Uh, remind me next week. I got to talk about my CPAP. Okay. That's a terrible experience um, so far. Being Fair sick enough. with a CPAP. Um, I can imagine. That's not great. Yeah, no. Um, or would you need to talk about dates as well? Because I've, I've been told that I'm there's a couple of dates now I'm not going to be around. So I need to oh, boy. Uh-oh. I know. Uh, there's a Probably like holiday. Probably that's the thing. Oh, weird. Okay. All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure it out. Cool. All right. Then. All right. I love you and leave you. Uh, thanks for thanks for st staying in and and doing the show. It's been awesome. Um, be good. Good to get back in the seat. Yes. Um, All right. We'll chat to you again soon. Goodbye, everybody. Get the pride stuff. Uh, the Yay. Trevor Project fundraiser and Patreon and show sponsors and all that stuff. Anyway. See you next week. Bye. Bye.